Good morning. I love that. There are some morning people here. I know. And boy, you non-morning people do not like us morning people, right? <laughs> and we love that. <laughs> I know, I'm talking your language, aren't I? <laughs> I have loved the singing. Like, how often do you get to sing with 500 other ladies? It's just like, oh, and I can sing as loud as I want and nobody can hear me. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's fun. Um, did you get a good night's sleep last night? I know we're not in our own beds, but they put Tammy, Heron, and I, they put us off the campground at, at a different place, and I think that's because they thought we were going to be so wild and party all night, and they just thought, we better put, them, you know, they're going to party all night, we better put them over there, so. But we didn't party all night, did we? No. So, well, today I want to talk about a topic that I don't know very much about, and I know that's a weird beginning. You're like, well, if you don't know very much about it, why are you talking about it? Because I'm intrigued by it, and I'm learning about it. And what I learn about it, I'm loving. And that's the topic of prayer. I think it was last April, March or April, I heard a three-part series on prayer that a, a guy came in and did at Faith. And I didn't get to be in the chapels, but I listened to them later. And I was just... It's like my hunger and my thirst for prayer just became intensified. And I started reading books on prayer and thinking about prayer. And, um, and I was just like, Lord, I think you want me to talk about prayer. But there's so much to it, and, and I don't do very well at it. And it's kind of like he was saying, oh, that's okay. I'm the one going to tell people about prayer. So we're going to go to God's Word. Uh, we're going to go to Colossians, Colossians 4. The more I learn about prayer, the more I want to do it, and the harder it is. Have you ever noticed that? Prayer isn't an easy thing, but it's so worth it. And that's what I'm starting to learn is that prayer is so worth it. I truly believe it's an untapped resource that we have, and, and we're not using it. So hopefully after today, I, I'm going to talk about some struggles we have in prayer, but I hope through it all you get the idea that it's... It's work, but the result of what you put into it is so amazing. So before I start, we should probably pray if we're going to talk about prayer. <laughs> so let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful for the avenue of prayer. And God, you didn't have to give this to us, but you lovingly did. You allow us, your little created beings, to come before you, the God, the almighty God and ruler of the universe. And furthermore, God, you delight when we do. What an amazing thing that is, God. Why, why, did you, why do you love us so much? We can't wrap our head around that kind of love that you would let us talk to you. And Lord, I pray that today you'd help me present this well. Help me present it as a beauty and a joy and a delight and a privilege that we get to have. Thank you for your presence here today, God, and I pray that you would magnify your word and magnify yourself in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. My hope today is that by God's grace I can share this with you and you can say, Yes, I see the struggles I have in prayer, but yes, I see that I want to pray more. 
I want to be more diligent in it. Somewhere on your hand, though, just take a minute and write down the answer to this question. Why do I pray? And just think about it a little bit. Why do I pray? It could be, well, my Bible says I'm supposed to pray, so I pray. I pray because I was taught to pray as a little girl or whatever it might be. Just kind of try to think in your head, what, why do I pray? And, and just write it down. It's good for us to go back to this isn't, am I making this microphone click because of my jacket? I can't see you back there and tell what you're saying. <laughs> it's, it, it's distracting, so let's fix it. Yes. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I'm talking too much. Is it's, that okay? It's the puh sound, but you're talking about prayer, so that isn't... We're going to have the puh sound quite a bit in this That's one. <laughs> we might possibly have the puh sound as I preach on prayer. <laughs> I mean teach. <laughs> so there we don't have to be, We got rid of one of them. But you know, prayer is mentioned a lot in the Bible. And we all know that, right? You know, you see the verses on prayer, and you, you go past them, and yeah, I should pray. Um, I looked up the very, how many times the word prayer is mentioned in the Bible. And in the King James Version, this is just something I just looked up online, it says we get 693 mentions in 614 verses. We have examples of prayers, stories of amazing answers to prayer. I was talking to Brenda this morning, and she told about her husband who was diagnosed with this, uh, I think it was Parkinson's, and he doesn't have it anymore. That's an amazing story of prayer. The example of Jesus' prayers and many other references is prayer. So what kind of amazes me is to find out that a lot of Christians don't pray or pray very little or pray guiltily, I guess you could say, like, I know I'm not doing it right, and I know it's not working, but I'm going to do it anyway. Of those who do pray, many are dissatisfied with their prayer lives. So we're just going to look at Colossians 4. Colossians 3 talks about you're raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, and set your mind on things above. He walks through putting off the old man, putting on the new man. In verse 14, he talks about love, the bond of perfection. Um, 16, 17, he goes through relationships, husbands, wives, children, fathers, bondservants. Verse 1 of chapter 4 kind of fits in with that up there, another one, masters and bondservants. And then I just, verse 2 just caught my attention. It's almost like it's a parenthesis in here. He's talking about all these things, about relationships and everything, and then he just throws this little, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. It just caught my attention, and I was like, I've breezed past that verse a hundred times, but all of a sudden I was stuck there, and I thought, I want to take those three little phrases and talk to you about them today. And the first one is continue earnestly. Um, this is also found in Romans 12, where we were last night, continuing steadfastly in prayer. And this Greek word here just was one word. They divided it into two, continue earnestly, but it just meant to hold fast, hold on to, be devoted to, and or give special attention to, to persevere and not to faint. There's 10 uses of this word in the New Testament. Half of them refer to prayer. I'm going to give you a couple of the other references if you want to write them down. I was going to look them up, but I want to be done well on time so that Tammy can have her full time. 
So one of them is in Acts 1.14, and the disciples are all waiting there um, after the ascension of Jesus, and they're waiting for the outpouring of the Spirit, and the verse says, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And what happened after that continually devoting themselves to prayer? That's when the poor outpouring of the Holy Spirit was, right? In Acts 2.42, this is talking about the early converts in Jerusalem. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Continually devoting themselves to prayer. Do you see a theme here? I don't know about you, but I don't continually devote myself to prayer. And as I was reading through this, I'm like, this is what I want to do. Acts 6.4, the apostles say, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So they were setting an example of devoting themselves to prayer. And then Romans 12, 12 is another one that says, continue steadfast in prayer. We're seeing a theme here, right? Continuing in prayer, continue earnestly in prayer. Um, Pew Research did a survey of 25,000 Christians to see how often they pray. Now, I don't know what stripe of Christianity they were, but 25,000 people who professed to be Christians this was in, well, they did two, two of them. In 2007, 68% of them said they pray daily, 17% said they pray weekly, and 5% said they pray monthly, and 9% said they seldom or never pray. Now, if you do the math on that, that's a lot of people who are not praying daily. Then in 2014, they did it again, and the results were even less for daily prayer. I found that disconcerting. If we are God's people and God is our God, we need to be steadfastly devoted to prayer. You know, we, we hear this, and in your mind, I'm sure no one's here is saying, oh, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't agree with you. you are, you're agreeing with me that we should be steadfast in prayer, right? Then why do we struggle with it? And I'm going to take some of the points from Dr. Minnick's sermon that he did in chapel. And he, what he helped me see was, why do I struggle? Not just, I'll have this struggle and it's not working, but why? And when, once you know the why, then you can combat that. And the first thing he said, well, this might not be the first thing he said, but the first thing I wrote down was, it's work. Prayer is work. It's active, not passive. You're listening to me today, and it's passive. It's the words and the thoughts are coming out there. You don't have to think them up. You're just passively listening to me. Um, Bible reading is somewhat passive because the, the words, the thoughts, the ideas are all there for you, right? You're, you're just taking them in. Even things like podcasts and things like that are somewhat passive. You're receiving. But prayer is you doing the work. You forming the thoughts. You making the, the ideas and the sentences go. And I think that's sometimes why we struggle with it. It's because it's work. Someone once said that prayer is your most important work, yet it is the work least likely to be noticed, appreciated, and praised. Isn't that so true? How many people say, I noticed you praying in your closet all last week? <laughs> well, that's the point. You're in your closet. They're not seeing you. So I think the world will probably never know how many pastors stay in the ministry 
and faithfully minister because they have a wife who's praying for them. Or maybe someone in the church who's just praying for them. Nobody ever, they said, Pastor, oh, what a great sermon that was. And maybe there was a faithful person in the church who just prayed, Lord, help my pastor this week. Help him to preach your word faithfully. Maybe that pastor felt like quitting. I, I can't do this anymore. COVID was just too hard. And Jim said he read somewhere that there's a large percentage of pastors who just packed it in. COVID was hard. Their people fought over things. And I've been here 10 years and my people are fighting over this. And they packed it in. And maybe the ones that didn't stayed there because someone faithfully prayed for them. Did anybody notice that? No. Did anybody praise him for that or appreciate him for that? Probably not. If you're going to pray for your pastor and your family and your church or whatever, you're going to have to just realize right from the get-go, it probably won't be noticed and appreciated and praised. But, oh, you put a smile on your Heavenly Father's face, and that's worth it. You, when you pray, you are a delight to him. Just like when, you're, when one of my kids calls me, I just love that. My son stopped over a couple months ago and had breakfast with me, and I was just like, oh, I'm the luckiest mom in the world. My, my son wanted to spend time with me. It just meant the world to me. And that's how God is. He's like, my people want to spend time with me. This is delightful. So the second thing I think that happens is we get prayers, we get answers sometimes that we don't like or do not understand. That's hard. I, I know that's hard. I got an email from a friend a couple weeks ago, and here's what she said. I've been really struggling with my unanswered prayers over the last 30-plus years, especially when you see others who have had answers to theirs. One can't help asking, why not my prayers? What am I doing wrong that God doesn't hear my prayers? What is it that God is trying to teach me? Am I using the right words? Do I have iniquity in my heart? And on and on and on. It's been so bad these past weeks, I've almost given up and come to the conclusion he just doesn't care. The ones I've been praying for just aren't the elect, and I'm just annoying him. I'm tired of crying over it. After reading Ephesians, or Colossians 4.2 and doing some research, she said, I've seen how destructive that way of thinking is and how Satan had fun doing that to me. Even though I should have known better, I was so downcast that I didn't think clearly. Do you ever have that, where you have an answer to prayer you didn't like? I went to Bible college, 17 years old, had my first year of Bible college, and I didn't have enough money to go back. I was like, Lord, I just, I just want to go back. The next year, I didn't have enough money to go back. And I'm like, God, all my friends are going back and... If I go back, I'm going to be in a different class now. Why do I have to be the one to not be able to go back? And the following year, I went back. <laughs> if I had gone all four years and graduated in the spring, I would have graduated in the spring before my husband came to college that fall. <laughs> and I was saying to God, how oh, could you be so mean to me? And he was saying, I have something wonderful for you. Trust me. Now, you don't always get to see those answers to prayer like that, right? Sometimes you have to trust you don't see. But we sometimes have answers we don't like or we don't understand. I read a long time ago, if you want to pray the prayer that never fails, say, thy will be done. That never fails. You can ask for anything as long as you say, thy will be done at the end. 
If one of your kids or a, a Sunday school kid came up to you and said, hey, can I have this? But if you don't want me to, that's okay. Wow, that is the prayer that never fails. The next thing I think that really bothers us in our prayer is spiritual warfare. Guess who doesn't like it when we pray? <laughs> For obvious reasons, right? He doesn't like it when we pray. Ephesians 6.12 says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Ladies, this is a very real battle. This is a very real battle. You will be fought when you try to pray. And then doubt. Is it doing any good? It's my friend's email. Is it doing any good? Am I doing it wrong? Does he even hear me? Doubt. Oh, Satan loves to put doubt in our lives. Oh, that's one of his favorite things to do is put doubt in your life. Faith is so important to God that there's a verse in the Bible that says without faith it's impossible to please him. And faith isn't believing when you see. Faith is believing when you don't see, right? When you don't understand. Can you say to God, I don't understand you, but I trust you? That's a hard one sometimes because he puts things in our lives we don't understand. Can you say to God, I don't understand you? I don't get this. This doesn't make sense, humanly speaking. That's what I said to God when God called us from Canada to Iowa. Canada is a needy nation and getting needier by the minute. There's more Bible colleges in the Philippines than there are in Canada. It's a big country of people that don't know the Lord. We would often talk to people that never been to Sunday school, didn't know. My husband tells about a lady that um, heard him say something about David and Goliath, and she called him up that afternoon and said, that is in the Bible. <laughs> she didn't know. And we're just like, we're so used to David and Goliath. So, but sometimes we have doubt, but faith is important to God. It's impossible to please him without it, and that's why the evil one likes to put doubts in your mind. God doesn't really care. If God cared, why are you in this situation? If, if you were God, you wouldn't let this kind of stuff happen to your children. That's what he says to us, right? If you were God and you loved your children, you wouldn't let this stuff happen to them. That's a lie from Satan, but he loves to wiggle in the back of your mind and get you thinking these doubts. Someone once said that even if God explained why he says no or wait, we wouldn't understand. If you went to your child and said, you know what, carrots are an excellent source of vitamin A, and one serving provides 184% of your daily value. And besides that, there's vitamin C and calcium and iron and vitamin K1 and potassium and vitamin B6. You know what? They would smile happily and say, oh, that makes so much sense. Pass the carrots. <laughs> but aren't we like that? We say, God, this doesn't make sense. And even if he tried to explain what vitamins are in your circumstance, you, you wouldn't understand because sometimes your little mind, where our little minds can't understand, just like our children can't. When you find yourself doubting, say to God, I don't understand you, but I choose to trust you. I want to go back to Job and read some verses where Job said that. Job 42. Do you know what's funny is that I got to see why God didn't allow me to go back to Bible college. Job never got to see why everything happened to him as far as we know. But in chapter 42, Job answered the Lord after God had told him all these things about how great he was and explained why he did this to Job. 
No, he didn't explain that. He just told Job how great he is and how powerful he is and how wise he is and how mighty he is. And Job answered and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. I'm in chapter 42. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. He's a lot more humble now. You said, I will question you, and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of my ear, but now my eye sees you, and I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And you know what he was saying? You can be God, and I'll be Job. And that's what we need to do when we have doubts. You can be God, and I'll be Joan or whoever. Prayer is talking to a person. You know you can pour your heart out to this person. That's what I love about God. I can tell him anything. I can tell him when I'm sad. I can tell him when I'm happy. I can, don't tell anybody this, but I'm kind of Pentecostal when I pray. <laughs> God, I love you so much. Oh, God, I'm struggling with this. I can't believe, you know. God doesn't care. You know, he doesn't care if I'm an emotional person. My husband's this steady Eddie guy. Oh, I'm so thankful for that. That's my dream someday. I want to be a steady Eddie person, just calm. I go way up and I go way down, and I'm working on it. I want the Holy Spirit to work on that. But I can talk, I can tell God my anguish and my frustration and my um, doubts and fears and go to Him with all of that. So, we can fight these things to, be, to be, um, continue earnestly in prayer. And then the second thing is to be vigilant in prayer. If you go back to Colossians, continue earnestly in prayer, be devoted to prayer. That's what it's talking about. And then being vigilant in prayer. Why do you think he would say that? Why, why do I have to be vigilant in prayer? Don't I just go to God and pray? Well, I think it's because the evil one fights prayer. And, and God knows that, so he's telling you to be vigilant. Satan knows what prayer means and desperately tries to keep you from it. If he can't get you to skip it all together, then he tries to get it to be weak, or you're distracted, or a hundred other one thoughts are in your mind. I, this is a little embarrassing to admit, but I've been praying, and next thing you know, I'm making a grocery list. <laughs> Wait. I was praying to the God of heaven. And I, God, I'm so sorry. God, I'm so sorry. I want to be more, I'm a little bit ADHD sometimes, and it goes over into my prayer life, and I don't like that. If, God, if Satan can't get you to skip praying altogether, he'll try to weaken it and make it feel like a burden. Oh, I guess I better pray. Satan, I read somewhere, Satan laughs at our toiling, mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. I have a little book here that I recommended on that little video blurb thing, um, Developing a Healthy Prayer Life. And I want to read from page 49. When we enter into personal prayer, Satan goes on guard. Uh-oh. She is now connected with the power that's above me. He is never more on guard or alert or disturbed than when he sees a person at prayer. He knows that he can defeat any human being, but he's powerless against the living God to whom that person is praying. Prayer is the critical point where true practical religion begins. Small wonder, then, that we are commanded to pray watchfully. 
Watching and praying is hard work. It involves internal struggles, battles, and combat against your own flesh and thoughts and fears. It is war against the old nature of sin and unbelief. Yet God has promised to uphold you in this warfare, and he lovingly commands, pray watchfully. That's the title of that whole meditation for the day is pray watchfully. I think you would enjoy this book. Run over to the bookstore and grab one. I think If you don't like it, you send it to me and I'll give you your money back. How about that? You'll like it. There was a guy named O'Hallisby that wrote a book on prayer, and he said, when those hours of the day come in which we should be having our prayer with God, it often appears as though everything has entered into a conspiracy to prevent it. Human beings, animals, and above all, the telephone. And this was written in 1931. (laughs) Little did he know the telephone, right? I have my Bible on my phone, and I had to quit using it because I'm reading, and all of a sudden a text pops in. I'm like, ooh, no. And I'm reading along, and something else pops. I'm like, oh, man, so distracting. Or I went back to my paper copy of the Bible and put my phone over there, and the, and the dumb thing dings then all the time, you know? Beep, beep. Oh, I wonder who. I want. Oh, it's so distracting. So I had to just get rid of my phone all around. 1931, and he says, above all, the telephone. Another thing you want to be vigilant for in prayer is your desperately wicked heart. My desperately wicked, our desperately wicked hearts. We often pray for things we don't, we shouldn't be praying for. We pray but with selfish motives, as it says in James. You pray but you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. So we have to watch out for that. Be vigilant. Watch out for your selfish wicked heart in there. Watch out for technology. I just talked about that. The Bible on my phone and the text interrupts my focus. Be vigilant. Be vigilant about society. Events and meetings and social media to answer and whatever, whatever. There's just so much going on in our lives. It's astounding that we have so many conveniences and we're busier than ever. You know, my grandma talked about using a ringer washer and they had to wash, you know, Doing laundry was an ordeal. And here we have automatic washers and things like that. We have all this convenient, efficient things to help our lives go smoother, and we're just busier than ever. I, I personally believe it's Satan. He wants to keep us too busy for this. And then schedules. When we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. It's interesting. Do I really believe that? A lot of these things we hear and we've heard them all of our lives and, you know, and we mentally give assent to them, but do we really believe it? Do I really believe that when I work, it's just me working, but when I pray, God's working? Do I really believe that? Jim tells people about during COVID, we could not have teams on the road and we didn't have a lot of people on the road representing faith. And every Monday, the staff would meet together and pray. And our enrollment grew that year. Interesting, right? Somebody said to him, why don't you just take everybody off the road and pray? (laughs) And you know him, he said, why don't we do both? (laughs) But it was interesting how God answered that prayer. Oh, Hallisby, I want to read another quote from his book on prayer. When I have won the battle to go to prayer, I actually, yes, I'm going to go to my closet and pray. The battle still rages. As you kneel to speak with your Lord, it seems as though everything you have to do appears vividly before your mind's eye. You see how urgent it is that it get done. 
You become more and more restless, and your thoughts flip back and forth between God and the duties that await you. And sometimes you have little kids knocking on the door, Mom, Mom, Mom. Your prayer hour becomes really the most restless hour of the day, and your mind is literally torn to shreds. To put it plainly, you feel as though the time you're spending on your knees is just that much time wasted. Then you stop praying, and the enemy has won a very neat victory. Has that ever happened to you? We've got to be vigilant in prayer. And then watch out for the worst one, laziness. It just takes too long. I don't have time. Or we give a quick little, oh, Lord, help me today. And those, those quick little prayers are great. Don't get me wrong. I've prayed a lot of quick little prayers. Remember when Nehemiah was before the king, and the king said, what, what do you want me to do? And he said, I prayed to the God of heaven, and he answered him. Quick little prayer, God, what do I say? And God told them. So quick little prayers aren't bad, but they, don't, they shouldn't be our only prayers, right? I promise you, I promise you, if you go into your closet, so to speak, you get, get off by yourself and pray, I promise you, you will reap the benefits. You will love it. And you'll say, I want more of this. And I also promise you that Satan will fight you on it. So laziness, it takes too long. You can miss meals. You can go without sleep. But you cannot miss prayer. May this be our heart. So we want to be earnest in prayer. We want to be vigilant in prayer. Actually, vigilant here could also mean be alert to the needs of others. Be vigilant in prayer. Think about the needs of others. When you go to church, watch for needs. Watch for someone whose heart is aching or watch for a new widow or something like that that you can pray for. Be vigilant for that as well. Don't get so wrapped up in your own life that you miss the needs of others. And that's easy to do because we've got a lot going on. And I'm sure you do too. But don't get so wrapped up in that that you forget about the needs of others. So probably about now you're thinking, whoo, this is hard work. But it's really a privilege and a blessing and a delight. Have you ever gone on an exercise program or done some exercising and you, and you reap the, oh, that felt good. This is good. Or you got a project done, it was hard work. Sometimes I get to clean out my closets and I go back later and just pull the door. Oh, that looks beautiful. <laughs> and then the next day I'm like, oh yeah, that's nice. It was, our, it was work, right? But you're reaping the results of it. And prayer is like that. Prayer is work. But you reap the results. And I'm telling you, it's so much better than a clean closet. You are, I just said, God, I can't put into words what it is to pray to you. But it's beautiful, and it's a delight, and it's a joy, and it's wonderful. And when you really bow before the throne of the King of Heaven, and you feel that you're there, and sometimes you just sit there in his presence and just enjoy it. God, I love you. That's what it can be like. But sometimes we're in such a hurry that it's not like that. Yeah, I prayed through my list, and I prayed for other people, and we just sometimes forget. We get to enjoy the God of heaven. That's such a beautiful thing. I don't want you to miss that. So the last thing is be thankful in prayer. Continue earnestly in prayer. Be vigilant in it. And then he says with thanksgiving. I want you to go to... Chapter 1, verse 12. Look what little word is in there. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's a long sentence there. Whew. But chapter 1, verse 12 says, Giving thanks to the Father 
Actually, I'm just going to go ahead and read, read that. Start in verse 9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. If you ever don't know how to pray for someone, pray these verses. If someone prayed this for me, that I would be filled with the knowledge of his, oh, I would love that if you prayed that for me. So if you're not sure how to pray for someone, pray these. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Oh, I would love that if someone prayed that for me. Being fruitful in every good work, increase in the knowledge of God, strengthen with all. If you get assigned to pray for someone, right, here's what you do. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power. And then in verse 12, he says, giving thanks to the Father because he qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. So giving thanks. Let's go to verse, uh, chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught. What's next? Abounding in it with thanksgiving. Let's go to 3.15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thankfulness is mentioned a lot just in these three chapters. The Bible gives us many reasons to be thankful, but one of my favorite places to go for reasons to be thankful is Ephesians 1. And you can turn there if you want to, but I'm just going to pick some things out of there and show you why I'm thankful and how you can be thankful for these too. These apply to all of us. So number one there, in, oh, I'm in Philippians. No wonder I can't find my verse. Ephesians 1, verse 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. If you're a believer today here, you were chosen before the foundation. That means before Abraham, before Isaac, before Noah, before Ruth, before Esther, way back, before there was a world, God looked down through that sea of humanity and said, I'm going to save little old Joan Tillotson. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes I marvel that my husband chose me. He chose me to be his wife. That's, that's, like, that's cool. But the God of the universe chose me? If I just stopped there, I'd be thankful, right? Then it goes on, I'm adopted. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ. You know, I was born in the USA, and the USA kind of had to take me because I was born here. But when I went to Canada, I applied to be adopted. And Canada got to make a choice and said, yeah, we'll adopt you. And I felt so special. I get to be, but don't tell them, but I'm really glad to be back in the USA. <laughs> I loved it up there, but it's, fun to, it's great to be back in the USA, too. But I'm adopted. God adopted me into his family. I'm accepted in the beloved, it says later. Accepted in the beloved. You know, God's family is his beloved. That's cool. I get to be part of that beloved family. I'm redeemed. I'm bought back. I'm forgiven. Every sin I've ever done is forgiven. Every sin I ever will do, God says, I paid for that. The devil stands up. Do you see what Joan did? And Jesus stands up and said, I paid for that sin. It's all paid for. Wow. I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit. 
I can never lose my salvation? If I could lose my salvation, I would. He, he would, that first sin that I committed after I was saved, I would have lost it. But I can't lose my salvation? That's a wow thing. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that's now in me because of the Holy Spirit. That's a wow thing. You look, start looking through all of these, and it will not be hard to go to God and be thankful, right, in prayer? One of my favorite two words in the Bible are the first two words of the Lord's Prayer. And what are they? Our Father. I love that. God is our master. He's our king. He's way above us. He's the most holy one. He's the great I am. But he also says, I'm your father. Now, maybe you didn't have a dad that was a good dad. But everything you wished your dad was, that's what God is. Or everything, if you had a good dad, everything, whatever the perfect father would be, that's what God is. And that's what he is to you. That's what he is. My dad was an amazing man. He loved us kids. He was lots of fun. He provided well for us. But he wasn't perfect. But my heavenly father is perfect. My father keeps me from being lost in the crowd because he says, I will be with you always. When I first moved here to Iowa, I didn't know anyone. And I felt lost in, the, lost in his crowd. My God was with me, and I so appreciated that. How many times did he remind me, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you always. And maybe sometimes you feel lost in a crowd. Maybe you feel lonely even though you're surrounded by people. Your heavenly father is always there with you. He provides for you. He cares for you. We can call him Abba Father. You know what that word Abba means? Daddy. You can say Daddy. I can remember as a little girl, my mom would get us ready for church, and we'd have these little shiny black shoes on. And we had a lot of mud. We lived in the country, and there was a lot of mud. And we'd stand on the back porch, and my dad would come up, and he'd pick my sister up in one arm and me up in one arm and take us to the car. And I was just like, that my daddy. Now, we didn't sass my dad. My dad was old school. You didn't sass dad. I remember rolled his eye, I rolled my eyes behind his back one time. And you know what? To this day, I feel bad about that. <laughs> I told my daughter one time, don't do those things because you'll regret them for the rest of your life. But we didn't speak disrespectfully to him, and we didn't disobey him. We respected him. But he was also our daddy. And I can remember sitting on his lap and his whiskers would scratch, you know, when you get your cheek up next to his. And, and, and God is your heavenly father. He's God almighty. You don't disobey him and you don't disrespect him. And even when you call him Abba Father, it's still respectfully. But it is still Abba Father. He cares about you. Our father chose to make us joint heirs with his own beloved son, Jesus not servant. Being a servant of God would have been amazing. If he just said, okay, you can just be little servants down here. That would have been amazing, right? Could have said, well, you're just my friends. Yeah, I, I like you. You're my friend. That would have been amazing. But he chose to make us daughters. I get to be a daughter of the king. And all of this should make us thankful in our prayers. Prayer is telling God your deepest heartaches and fears. But it's also sharing with God your delight and joy. I get to go, when I go to work every morning, I go across the Sailorville Lake. I go across that mile-long bridge, and I can hardly wait to get to the corner to see what the lake looks like today. 
Some days it's gray and choppy, and some days it's shining, and some days it's covered with diamonds because the sun is shining on it. And so often as I go across that lake, I just say, God, thank you for your beautiful creation. Thank you for giving us the ability to enjoy it. Love it. I love the green of the tree in the springtime when that faint green starts up. A while ago, Pastor Lance was preaching through Psalms, and he said, you know, when you see those things, don't just say, oh, yeah, that's beautiful. Say, thank you, God, for your creation. And how many times as I'm going past something like that, and I said, I think of Pastor Lance saying that to us, thank you, God, for your beautiful creation. So prayer is telling God your heartaches and fears, but it's sharing your delight and joy. Paul said he was sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. And then I read somewhere that thankfulness acknowledges my dependence on God. God, I can't do this without you. I'm thankful you're walking along with me in this. Thankfulness acknowledges my relationship with God. God is a person. And you get to know him. You get to talk to him, and it's beautiful and wonderful. Just try it out. Like David, the psalmist said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You get a little taste, and you want more. If you've never had ice cream, you probably say, no, no, thanks, I don't need ice cream. But if you've ever had chocolate ice cream with chocolate chunks and white chocolate chunks and more chocolate in it, <laughs> you're just like, oh, I want some more of that, right? Mm. I was taking ice cream to a friend of mine who was in a motorcycle accident and banged herself up pretty bad, and I thought, I'm going to take her some ice cream, and I tried a new kind. And uh, we scooped it out, and it was, it was like chocolate silk. Oh, it's so good. But, if you, but I'd never had it before. I've walked past that ice cream in the store a hundred times and never was tempted by that. After I tasted it, I went back and bought two more things of it. They were on sale. They were on sale. I thought, well, since they're on sale, you know, got to do it. So, but, but it's the same way prayer is. You get a little taste of real prayer, and you're going to want a little more. And that's what happened to me last when I started thinking about prayer and started getting a little taste of it, you're going to want more. So prayer is spiritually crucial. I truly believe that. God can do more in one minute than I can do in one year. But do I really practice that? Do I really believe it enough to practice it? I, with all my heart, I believe that eternity will be different when God's beloved daughters pray. I really believe that. When, if everyone in here started praying for your pastor and your church, our churches would be different. If everyone in here started praying for your families, started praying for your own personal walk with God, I truly believe that when God's daughters pray, things will be different for eternity. I really believe that. I hope you do too. If you get just one thing from this session, I hope you remember this. Praying is worth it. And I want to spend just a couple minutes with some practical tips. Use the Bible. You can pray prayers from the Bible. You can take them. It's not wrong to pray a prayer from the Bible if your mind and heart are engaged in it, right? If you're just reciting words, that's not prayer. That's just reciting words. But I take prayers from the Bible, and I just pray them. Sometimes I'm going through something, and I read a verse, and I'm like, oh, God, that's what I want. Here's Ephesians 4. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. And I'll just say, oh, God, do that in me. You know I don't have that naturally. You know I, I, I'm bad at this. Help me with it. And that's, you can pray prayers from the Bible. Read good books on prayer. This is a good book on prayer. It's just a little book. It'll help you get started. And if you're a busy mom or, a, or, or you work, 
a lot of hours, two or three pages a day. You could do that. Read books of the prayers of others and incorporate them into your prayers. I love Valley of Vision. I don't even know how I came across it, but I came across it years ago. And I love to read just a little portion of that because sometimes what, he's, what they're saying in there is what my heart is saying, but I can't get it into words. So I'll read just a little bit of that. One of my favorite quotes from there is this old Puritan wrote, God, if you should ever give me a choice in something, I would defer it back to you because you do not make mistakes, and I do. And I'm not like that. I want to make the choices. God, you should, I think you should do this, and I think you should do this, and this is a good idea, and this is a good idea. But this old Puritan said, I don't know if he was old, but anyway, he is a <laughs> this Puritan said, um, God, if you should ever give me the choice in something, I would defer it back to you because you don't make mistakes, and I do. And as I read that, I thought, oh, Lord, that's true, and I underlined it. I want, and oftentimes I go back to that, God, I want this to be true. So use prayers of others and incorporate them into your prayers, and then be disciplined. You know, some people don't think you should use lists when you're praying, but I don't think it's a bad thing. My husband travels a lot, and while he's gone, if I think of something I want to remember to tell him when he calls that night, I just make a little note on my phone. And so I have this list on my phone that I want to talk to him about. But I don't say, the grass needs to be mowed. Do you want to mow it or should I? I'll mow it. Okay, good. Next thing. <laughs> you know, it's a conversation. That's a little prompt to me. Man, we got a lot of rain lately, and the grass is getting green and needs to be mowed. And my husband loves to mow the lawn. And, and I say, do you want to mow the lawn or should I mow it before you get here? And then we talk a little bit. It's a conversation. It's not just next, 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 working my way through a list, Right? He loves to mow the lawn, so I'll ask him, do you want to mow it or should I? I had a lady at my house one time that said, you should be mowing that lawn. He should not have to be out there mowing that lawn. And it sounded really weak to say, but he likes to, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, she's probably thinking. But anyway, so if you, can, you can use a list, and it's okay, as long as you're not saying, you know, you're just going down the row like that. You're just, it's a conversation. These are just little prompts to help me remember, oh, I wanted to pray for... Charity. I want to remember to pray for charity. And if I didn't write it down, I'd forget it. I, I, I'm very forgetful, and I know if I don't write things down, I'll forget them. So you can use a list. That's okay. Be disciplined. These three things in these verses, continue earnest in prayer, be vigilant in prayer, and be thankful in prayer, are really some life-changing precepts. They were for me anyway, and I hope they are for you. My prayer is that God would help us to pray this way. Sometimes I get convicted by something, and I'm like, I'm going to change. And then I'm like, God, you help me change, because I need your help with this. So I want to pray right now, and I want to ask God to help, us to, to help us to pray this way. So let's close in prayer. Father in heaven, you put these three little phrases in the Bible for us. And as we studied them today, we have come to the conclusion that we need your help. And God, I pray that your spirit would be here to help us to make the effort, and then you would bless that effort to be earnest in our prayer and devoted in our prayer, and that we would be vigilant in prayer, and God, that we would be thankful in prayer. Oh, Lord, we love you so much. You allow us to be your daughters, 
joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Oh, what a privilege that is, God. Thank you for choosing me. God, I pray for every lady here that you would help them to be, you would help us, Lord. We need your help in prayer, even though prayer is praying to you. But God, you have to help us in everything because we're so weak. Pray that you'd help us in prayer, Lord. Help us to delight in it, to enjoy it, to persevere, to be devoted. And God, we will thank you and give you praise for everything you do in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.